everyone. It's your boy, Kyle Conkeel, back with another episode of the Just STFU podcast. And today on the podcast, we have Jimmy Church, host of the Jimmy Church Radio Show. And you can follow him on Twitter at JChurchRadio. Jimmy, how are you, buddy? Uh, it's another day. It's cold in Burbank. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, cold. It's cold outside. It's it was, cold. It was snowing in La Cunada yesterday. It, you know, this is the best part of the year for that kind of stuff uh, where you and I live, uh, for everybody out there listening, Kyle and I uh, live at the base of these gorgeous mountains. Uh, during the summer, they're lit up. They're gold. They're right there. They're, they dominate anywhere you go where we live. They're right there. And uh, But during... People don't understand this. Uh, it's California. It's Southern California. It's Burbank. Uh, but during the winter, our our mountains, which are just a mile away, right? They're right there. You can reach out and touch them, are covered in snow. And yeah. uh, it, I, I think uh, the forecast, did you hear? It's going to rain and snow for the next three days. I know. People don't. People people think that, that Los Angeles doesn't have any sort of season or weather, but January, February is typically, because I remember it has snowed three times in my lifetime when I was living in Tahunga. I remember this was probably back in the early 2000s, maybe mid-2000s, and uh, I, I mainly remember this because I was going to a job interview for Blockbuster Video, and it snowed in Tahunga, and all of the power in Sunland, Tahunga, and La Crescenta went out. And it yeah. was like the snow stuck for a few days. And I remember it was freezing cold. There was no power. There was no heat. There was no nothing. And uh, I mean, granted, it doesn't happen every year or as often as, you know, some places in the Midwest or, you know, on the East Coast. But, you know, everyone thinking that it's just ah, it's just hot and sunny all the time. It's, it's really not. And we get terrible wind up here. And that is my we least. Do, we just had the power out last week. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, I remember back in, this is a great way to start the podcast. Let's talk about weather, right? Oh, I, don't, I don't give a shit. We'll talk about anything <laughs> we want. Oh, and you can swear on here too. Oh, great. Great. Uh, I, I know all I, those I, years in radio as you've, you've been able to, to, to censor yourself. You know, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, and I was talking about this last night, last night on our show, we had on Roy Firestone, right? Mm -hmm. How great is that? Right? The greatest sportscaster ever and, yeah. and and the things that he has done and Emmy Awards and all that. And he was on the show last night and we were talking about that subject where um, over on Coast to Coast AM, uh, you know, and hosting that show for that many years, you know, six, uh, the biggest, you know, overnight radio show for 25 years, right? And you get this huge audience. But... I have to be a different person. Yeah. Okay. So on my show, I have no FCC. I have no regulations. I have nothing. And audience is still just as big, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm not regulated. Although I don't use bad language on my show because it's a family show. It's just respect everybody. But I'm not regulated. And people drop F-bombs all the time in a conversation. And I don't bleep it out. I don't care. But yeah. we also can speak about whatever we want. Yeah. I have freedom of thought. My brain just goes. It's connected to my jaw. I don't have to censor myself. Yeah. I go over to Coast, Premier Radio, iHeart Radio. I have to censor myself. 
Yeah. Now it's not only language, it's subject matter. Yeah. Right. The, and the, you, con and the you, content of your the of content. Your shows. Yeah. Yeah. And and you have to stay in bounds and play by the rules. Or, you know, the FCC will come down, Premier will come down, the advertisers, all of this. So suddenly I'm censoring myself. Yeah. And that's like a, it's like a noise gate that you can't control, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're always conscious of, uh, you know, that that filter, that thing, that auto wah, right? <laughs> that, yeah. that is out of your control. And when you're on that self-censor mode, you're suddenly thinking about that instead of necessarily freedom of thought. Yeah. And that, that, that really bummed me out. It bummed me out a lot. And I would leave uh, the co-studios there and, and don't get me wrong. Speaking, uh, uh, having that gig is an honor. It's a privilege. It's a huge, huge gig that anybody in the world would cut their arm off for. I'm very appreciative, and I understand the position. I do, but I would leave there, and 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 come back to my show in relief, because I knew, I knew, I knew. Coming back to my show, I could just do whatever I want. I could say whatever I want. I could do, you know, my my uh, guest on the show can speak freely. There's no zone that yeah. we can't go into. Nobody's, you know, at the, at the Coast Studios, Kyle, there was a red phone, a frigging red phone. I think I've heard about this. Yeah, man. And... It stared at me in the face, man. It was always there. Now, Did it glow? It, it never rang. Okay. <laughs> it never glowed on me. But there were some moments where I thought, you know what, here we go, right? This it, It's going to go off. But uh, unfortunately, I never had to pick it up. But it's an intimidating thing, man. Yeah. You know, and it's staring at you. It's just like, man, oh, man. I had a couple of moments. Now, I'll share this with the audience. This is uh, this is what is trippy for a major show host like that. Um, and that goes for CNN. It goes for uh, myself or Fox or Sean Hannity or Rush Limbaugh. It, it doesn't matter. When you're at that level, um, you have to um, be in the moment. There could be breaking news. Yeah. Okay, so let's say I've, I'm, I've got a, a, a guest on and we're talking about uh, German shepherds, right? We're talking about UFOs. We're talking about whatever. And for me, many times, there was some huge breaking news, like the, uh, the very tragic shooting at the nightclub in Paris, France, right? Yeah, yeah, at the okay. Bataclan. Yeah, that went down while I was on the air. Jesus. Now, I've got to break this news. Yeah. The the shooting at the nightclub in, in Orlando, Florida. Yep. That went down on my watch, right? The MH370 plane crash, right? Yeah. These things, you know, and, and I had a run of these events going down during my show and I have um, an obligation to the audience because they are listening to the show. They're not listening to the news. Yeah. They need to know the breaking news. And so I have to come in and break that. And let me tell you, it wore me out emotionally where I'm having to talk about a couple of hundred deaths and a, and a, and a gunman with, you know, you know, ISIS terrorists, whatever it was. Yeah. And, and I didn't dig it. You know, and if you 
think about anybody out there, uh, the, the, you know, all of these show hosts and the, the talking heads on CNN or Fox or MSNBC or ABC, CBS, whatever, um, all the radio stations, uh, rock and roll radio stations, it doesn't matter. They have yeah. an obligation to the public. Yeah. They have to break the news. They have to keep them informed. You can't be driving down the road listening to Van Halen on a, a classic radio station, right? Mm -hmm. And and not know that there's breaking news. You can't yeah. do that. You have to come in. And I uh, emotionally just got worn down with that. It was just like, man, I can't, I can't report this bad news anymore. And then we had that all of 2020. Well, we've had it for the last four years. Yeah. But all of 2020, it was nothing but bad news headlines. I have an obligation to report that stuff, and I do on the air because our show is live each night. But uh, I have to do that. And it was wearing me out. Um, not only, this is the thing, not only the obvious stuff, it's, it's COVID, it's the elections, it's it's Black Lives Matter and protests in the streets and, and you know, cities burning. You and I live here in Los Angeles. We had riots and protests with hundreds of thousands of people going on every day in our backyard. Yeah. And it was, it was, but there was the other part. It's the, the concerts. Yeah. It's the entertainment. You, right? Your industry is part of what I do. The audience can't see it, but you can. I have yeah. a pretty gnarly guitar collection here you in do. the studio. You showed me before the show. Yeah, yeah I, and music is my life, right? People don't necessarily see this, but these guitars are here and all the other memorabilia that is in the studio because I love music. I, I'm a guitar player. I come from that background. And when that part of 2020 started to sink in, and I'm talking to you about this and 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 other guests. It it crushed me. Thinking of all of the the fans out there that can't see their bands. That's yeah. a drag. You know yeah. what else is a drag? You can't go out and play in front of an audience. Yeah. Your tour's gotten canceled. Your thing, you know, and that is another part of 2020 that is a hugely uh, uh, affected thing on the populace of the world. It's huge. It's a big deal. People need not only entertainment, they need their music, man. Yeah. They, they need their music, and we took that from them. And I don't know what it's going to be like moving forward. I, I, I really don't. Yeah. I, I, we've changed. Well, I know with, you know, uh, they're speeding up the vaccines. I know there's other companies coming out, you know, Johnson and Johnson, you know, big, big pharmaceutical companies are going to be releasing their versions of the, the, the Pfizer and the Moderna, uh, vaccines, which I know a lot of people are a bit hesitant to, to take. And, um, you know, being someone who's in more of the, uh, high risk category, um, you know, I'm going to be talking to my primary care physician about, you know, what steps I could take to to sign up for the vaccine and just having like a lot of friends that I've known for a long time who are frontline workers, who are nurses, who are, you know, doctors, who are EMTs, you know, police officers who are out there and, you know, exposing themselves every day. Um, you know, just from their stories, I was like, you know, I, I've kind of hunkered down um, 
mainly just not even for my health. It's just, you know, I have roommates. I have a, a mother who is also high risk. And, uh, you know, and that's been my choice. And people could be like, oh, you can't live your life like that. I'm like, well, I've made my living space being able to, you know, record music remotely, do podcasts remotely. You know, I literally have everything here at my fingertips. Like I could write an entire record in this seat, you know, and I can talk to, you know, hundreds of people via the Internet and, you know. And you know what I want to let me ask you this. I'm going to jump in and interrupt because yeah, yeah. I'm the guest. I'm the guest today mm -hmm. and I can friggin do that. But <laughs> um, and, and I just said friggin see that's censoring. Yep. I can fucking do that. <laughs> OK, is this man? My audience just heard me say an F-bomb. I, I don't think I've ever done that on the air, man. That was that was freedom. Is that what about. Um, practicing because we all know one of the magical things uh, uh, a, a musician can do it doesn't matter if it's violin, drums, bass, guitar uh, it, it doesn't matter is wood shedding yeah. locking the door and throwing down for 24 hours right and, yeah. and, and then you come out of that better right yeah. and so you you treasure those lockdown moments well you're locked down now yeah are you practicing more well i pra i practice here at the house no the answer the the question is are you practicing more yeah okay it, 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 that's a benefit right is that yeah. <laughs> is that well i mean I, I i've been doing i've been doing a bunch of bass lessons you know i've been doing um you know we have our our band patreon which i stream on every monday and, uh, you know, if I can't think of anything cool to talk about, you know, I'll grab a bass guitar and I'll just be like, cool, I haven't played these songs in a long time. Watch me suck at them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, right on. OK, um, one of the uh, uh, one of the things I'm a guitar player, but um, I was very influenced uh, by a few bass players. I know it's a, a strange thing to say. But I went through a Stanley Clark period. Oh, I love Stanley Clark. I, uh, right? I went through a Stanley uh, where I'm uh, I'm a I'm a guitar player, but I'm also a songwriter, and I I study melody, and I and I try to figure out how people can write magic, right? Yeah. Because writing is hard, and it, when a song is written correctly you notice it right and you yeah. study the stanley had that just down yeah. album after album and i would go and and i would take it a step further and where's the groove coming from where is he hitting on the kick drum mm -hmm. um is he is he behind it is he in front of it uh is he on top of it yeah um uh, how how those patterns and and pushing and pulling uh, would change inside of a song. It's not necessarily, you know, the same throughout the song. And and Stanley taught me that. And there was a lot of bass players that I looked at that were really, really good at pushing and pulling. Uh, John Paul Jones, classic yeah, yeah, yeah. example. I mean, uh, uh, when I would get into these different bass players. Now, as a guitar player, I had it down. Wasn't really worried about that. And And I could go and listen to guitar players and things. But I had my my own thing going on, I, you know, so I wasn't as focused on that, 
but I would go and try to figure out how drummers and bass players were working together and the art of that. And what I found very early on was that they are not on top, right? Mm -hmm. They're not on top of each other. Yeah. They are working against each other and pushing and pulling these grooves. And 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 um, a fan of the music doesn't hear that. Yeah, they feel it, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> they feel it. It's a different thing. And and that's what I would do. Did you go through that same kind of period where you thought that the bass was always on time, and then you know, and then you figure out that wait a minute. There's something else going on here. There's another art that's going on. Did did you go through that same phase? Well, like when I first really started gigging a lot in L.A., I was typically like the bands I was typically in were more um, heavy metal, like super syncopated guitars and kick drum. And then uh, when I joined up within this moment in 2009, um, their drummer, Jeff Fab, who's an amazing drummer, he plays for Black Label Society now. Right. Um he taught me a lot just because he he had the click in his ears and we didn't none of us uh besides the singer maria had in ears so i was really paying attention to where his flow was and because i didn't have a click track in my ears i kind of just would go with his vibe and he taught me a lot about like without even speaking you know taught me a lot about timing and like you know i'm gonna you know this is where i'm gonna be a little bit of a head and right then, and then this part is where i'm gonna be you know a little bit lean back right and you know playing with him for you know about a year really i really think improved not only my timing but my skills as a bass player and because i was used to such technical music i never really had breathing room to you know write bass lines per se it was, you know, along, it was kind of just like, you know, in the music styles of like Fear Factory, Mashuga, you know, really syncopated, like I had to have a tight right hand. Um, and I was basically just playing guitar riffs, but in a lower octave. Um, so after I played with him and, you know, learning a lot of the In This Moment material, I think I, I knew like three albums um, and kind of listening to what the the producers had had written for the bass lines or you know uh chris the guitar player wrote a lot of bass lines our old bass player jesse landry wrote a lot of bass lines so kind of just learning other people's bass lines in an area where there can be bass really really helped me a lot too and then i've kind of just taken that into any of the other projects that I've been associated with. And I always try to make it so, it, you know, if the song can call for it, I will I will write accordingly. But, you know, hard rock and heavy metal, it can be a little difficult to write to. So I'm always looking for those spots to kind of like, here's my contribution to, to the song, you know. I, I, I'm going to share a rock star story with you. Okay. You ready? Yeah, yeah. It's about timing. And this is a true story. Really went down. And I hope your audience appreciates it. You're going to love it. Um, I'm recording. This is about Jimmy Bain. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, Jimmy Bain, arguably, probably uh, one of the best rock and roll bass players in the history of, of anything. And 
and you know his his time with uh, uh, Rainbow and Dio uh, created some of the greatest rock records ever. Right? Okay, so we can, we can pretty much stop right there when it comes to Jimmy Bain. He's just great, and he's really good at the gallop. Right? That yeah, he had that patented. Right? Okay. So anyway, I'm re- I'm I'm, re- I'm producing a demo. Uh, three songs of of a heavy metal band uh, here in Los Angeles. And I go and I cut the rough tracks without vocals. I cut bass, guitar, and drums. And I'm back at my studio uh, doing a rough mix, and I'm listening to it, and I'm just not... Something wasn't right with it, you know? Now, everything was played correctly. There were no mistakes and things, but but I kept listening. So anyway, Jimmy Bain comes over. And we're hanging out, and uh, he might have been living with me at the time. But uh, anyway, so he's in the studio with me listening to these tracks. And he goes, wait a minute, stop. Mute the guitars. Okay, so now we got uh, bass and drums up. He's listening. He goes, man, the bass player's just playing on the kick. He's playing in time. And I'm like, what? Right? <laughs> and he goes, uh... All right, let me let me just recut a new bass track on this, <laughs> and and then you can listen to the difference. I said okay, all right. So he li- and you know he's like he knows the song already, right? He's listened to it like three times. So anyway, we go and we cut a fresh bass track, and as we're recording, I'm hearing it come to life. Same notes, dude. Same notes, right? Same yeah. notes. And it's like a different song. And I'm like, oh, whoa. So then he cuts. We go back. We spend a few hours. He cuts new bass to the other tracks. Now, it's like the next day, and I've got rough mixes up, and I'm not, I'm not even playing the old, the original bass player's tracks. I'm only uh, mixing with Jimmy's new bass tracks. They were perfect. And everything just... Right. It was just bizarre to me. Yeah. How that happened. So the next day the band comes in and we're sitting around, we're getting ready to cut lead vocals and, uh, and lead guitar tracks. And, uh, so I'm playing them and I'm like, man, I'm going to do it. Screw it. I didn't play him the original bass tracks. I've got the bass player with me, right? I've got the drummer with me, got the guitar player with me, got the singer. We're all sitting in the studio and I hit play. And they're like, you know, and they're all into it. The heads are bopping. Nobody says anything. And I look over at uh, the bass player. I'm waiting for him to say something about the tone. Didn't say anything. Um, Listening to little thing. He never said anything. He thought he was kicking ass. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I let it fly. I let it fly. I never said anything ever ever now um it was a lesson learned by me one I, did i feel guilty about it no right the band was happy yeah I, I i think that the bass player um i did he change i don't know um but them listening and 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 uh to the mixed demos and how they were done in the future um uh that was great and they really enjoyed it and the it made the band better um, at least the demos. Now, did they go out and play differently? That that part, I don't know. Um, did I feel guilty? No. The story is funny as hell. 
and yeah, it was great. It it was just one of those things, and and the guilt that I had about it wasn't that Jimmy played the tracks. The guilt is they're happy. You don't <laughs> want to bum them out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, would they be happy? Oh, Jimmy Bain played bass on this. Well, you know what? The bass player is going to be pretty pissed off, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be. Uh, as, as a bass player who's recorded a few records, I remember um, this was before, like, you know, nowadays MIDI bass is pretty convincing. And you can't, if it's mixed correctly, you can't tell that it's fake. But back in 2014, I remember we were getting some demos back. And uh, w with one of my old bands, and there was fake bass on the record, and I could tell. And I was like, first of all, like, <laughs> if, if I didn't play that part correctly, you could have told me. Like, we were in that studio for two months. So I made a point. I was like, we are, there is, and they're like, well, we don't even know if this song's going to be on the record. And I was like, I don't give a shit. I'm going right. to the recording studio down the street on fucking Magnolia. <laughs> And I'm going to re-record bass. I'm not having fake-ass bass guitar on this record. I'm not going to no. do it. Because no. it was like, you could obviously tell. It sounded like a handball bouncing <laughs> on the floor. Like, that's how, you know, you could obviously tell. And I was I was pissed. Did, did, was you, pissed. did, you, did you recut it? I recut it. And, uh, you know, the producer at the time who has, who has since passed away, Cato Conwalla, um, he was like, bro, that song's not even going on the record. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> no, don't no, care. no, no. It could in the future. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you don't want somebody coming up to you going, Hey Kyle, I, I just listened to, is that you playing that shitty ass bass? <laughs> you don't want that. Right? No. Like, and Kyle, I don't know if you know this, but uh, you can't play bass, bro. <laughs> I mean, I've been trying to tell people that for years, but they still hire me. You know what I'm saying? But it was funny uh, when we were talking about when we were talking about, you know, you being censored. Uh, well, in a way, um, you know, you having to kind of watch what you have to say when you're playing with the big dogs. Uh, a band is very similar um, because if you can't get to number one on all of the all of the platforms, then you technically you can never have uh, a number one hit. So uh, we kind of had. Um, I mean, I'm, I might get in trouble for talking about this, but uh, we're not going to go into detail. Um, but we had one of the streaming services, uh, one that you know is a part of your realm as well. I'm not going to say their names, right? But uh, because of you know some certain things that may or may not have been said, uh, they pulled our they pulled our records from their platform. And one of our newest songs wasn't able to, you know, this was supposed to be our sixth or seventh consecutive number one. And we couldn't get to that because this specific service wasn't happy with us. So there is a lot, you know, in common that we have there when you kind of have to, you know, and, you know, this is a controversial topic or whatever when it comes to like, you know, the First Amendment, but people don't realize the First Amendment doesn't really apply to private owned companies. No, it doesn't really. No, it doesn't apply. That, it, it's, there is no, and I understand what you're saying, right? It yeah. doesn't really apply. No, it doesn't apply. Yeah. And it is a very scary thing that we find ourselves in 
uh, because we've got a paradox. We have a country that is based on private companies. Yeah. Capitalism, you know, th th that that's 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 America. Yeah. That's what makes us us, right? Yeah. Okay. So having a private company, your own company is something that you control. It's yours and that is your right. Okay? But the private companies now have so much power. Right. That now, now, what do we do with that? Do we interfere? What has built this country and made it so great? Mm -hmm. Right. Do we interfere with that, or do we let it continue to run? I, I, I don't know what to do about this. And see, this is the thing. I don't want to talk politics, right? Yeah. So we're not going to do that. But it goes across the board. Let's say that. Um, and I've been messed with. I've been messed with by YouTube. I've been demonetized. I've I've had my community guideline strikes and yeah. and it's, uh, same thing on Facebook. I haven't been messed with by Twitter yet, but I've had to deal with all of that stuff. Now, mm -hmm. do I step back as a, a CEO of a network because I am? And uh, do I step back and go, look, I don't want people to interfere with what I do here. I don't want that. So, therefore, do I extend the same courtesy to Zuckerberg, right, to Jack Dorsey over at Twitter, uh, to Google, to YouTube, to Apple, right? Do I extend them the very same courtesy that I expect? And it's it can't be made more clear than this. My show, uh, Nightly, reaches out to between 250,000 and 500,000 people. That's a big show, mm -hmm. okay? I am on all of the platforms across the board. I'm also on iHeart, you know, and, 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 and across the board. Last year, um, our talk show was ranked number 15. You probably saw the rankings when they came out. And yeah. I'm number 15. I'm right there with Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh. And, and, and there it is, Fade to Black with Jimmy Church. And, it's, you know, there's a lot of pride there. But uh, it's private. I own that. Yeah. What I don't want is if we interfere with Twitter, they're not allowed to deplatform or, or, or YouTube is not allowed to uh, censor videos anymore and and Facebook's not allowed to regulate their content, then, and anybody can post on Facebook, anybody can post on Twitter, anybody can post any video they want on, on YouTube, then that means what if somebody wanted to come to me and say, hey, I want to be a guest on Fade to Black, and I'm not allowed to say no. And if I say no, I get sued because they don't have the freedom of speech. Yeah. Right? That, wait a minute here. We need to be very, very careful about what we are asking for. Yeah. So is Jack, uh, you know, is Jack Dorsey uh, wielding too much power? That's a private company. Yeah. And he, although it has stocks, it doesn't make it not it a private matter. company. No, it, it, none of that matters. Yeah. And, and the reason is we have to have a clear line in the sand. Yeah. The First Amendment 
clearly states right there, it's about the government. The government will not censor your speech. That's it. Yeah. It's nothing to do with private companies. It has nothing. No, we are talking about government control over your voice. Yeah. And and it is um it's only like four sentences, the First Amendment. It's very yeah, short. It's very short. Very simple, right? When you have something very short and very simple, it's it's like yes or no, black and white, pragmatic. There's no mistaking what the First Amendment says. Most people have never read it. They don't understand it. And they think that freedom of speech means I should be able to write a column on the front page of the New York Times. And if they say no, they're violating my freedom of speech. No, that's not what that means. Yeah, It doesn't mean that Kyle Conkio can go and host CNN because he wants to. And if he can't, he's going to sue them. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Okay? It's not about, oh, they're using public utility uh, internet lines. You know, CNN is using this, and Fox is using this, and YouTube is using this, and therefore they are... No, they are not. And you do not want uh, to go and start your own website. Okay, I'll give you a classic example. You start the Kyle Conkiel Bass Guitar Forum. And it's a it's it's a website, believe it or not, dedicated to the bass guitar. And then it it takes off, right? And you've got Billy Sheehan, and you've got you've got Kyle Conkiel, you've got <laughs> you know you've got all the dudes, right? And all of the bass players unite, and and all of you know you've got Ampeg and SWR and Ashdown advertising on your forum, and you've got this thing and. It's monetized and it's working great. And all of the bass players in the world, you know, are there and hanging out. And then you got some guy that registers and, and he's a guitar player and he hates bass players. And he starts posting, you know what? I think all bass players should be hung. I think all bass players, you know, we need nothing but MIDI bass. I hate <laughs> bass players, man. And bass amps suck. <laughs> posting all over your thing and threatening and doing and saying things and, and stuff. And you can't kick them off your site yeah, because there is new regulation that says he has the right to go on your site that you own, that you invested in and, and, and made a success. But now you've got some Yahoo on there that is ruining it for everybody and you have no control over it. Do you want that in your life? Well, nope. that's right. So if we go and we start to mess with all of these other, you may not like it, but if we go and, and start messing with all, that means we open the door to everybody. Yeah. We need to be very, very careful with this. Do you remember... Uh, and it, it was all in the 70s and 80s. It's still out there somewhat, but we we laugh about it now. But the famous sign, right? No shoes, no shirt, no service. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right? Same thing. I don't, you know, I own this store. I don't have to sell to you. I don't like you. Turn yeah. around and walk out. Yeah, I'm we, gonna we sue reserve you. the right to refuse service to anyone. And that is YouTube. That is Twitter. That is the Kyle Conkiel four-string forum. <laughs> right? And, and, yeah. and we have to understand that. 
you know, and, and restaurants and, and they, you know, we, we really, really need to be very careful about this. Um, I, I hate the cancel culture. I hate the PC society that we are in, uh, today. I don't like it. Um, but it's also a, another part of freedom of speech. Everybody's different in this country. You can say you can have any opinion you want. Yeah. But we have a clear line in the sand there, and we need to be very, very careful about it. If uh, Jack Dorsey made a statement today about uh, removing Trump uh, from uh, Twitter, and I know it upsets some people. I mean, it, it, half were unhappy. There was another half that was happy about it, too. Let's yeah. you got to understand that. But Jack Dorsey said today, he said, look, um, I understand the power that uh, Twitter and other social media has today. I understand that. But let me be very clear. You don't like Twitter? Go somewhere else. Yeah. And that's the other right that you have. Yeah. Right? That's well, the I other think, right. Well, I, I think and I think what a lot of people get confused is when they think of the First Amendment there, they think of like, oh, I can just say whatever I want. But also you have to be able to take. Um, responsibility for the words that come out of your mouth that are typed out on the phone. Like, if you say something that, you know, is inappropriate or racist or hateful or, you know, inciting violence, like, you have to take responsibility for those words, too. You can't just say whatever you want willy-nilly, you know? You can't do it. And here is... Here is the post that I did on social media about this. I did this on January 12th when all of these arguments were happening. And again, I understand the responsibility that I have. I have a very large social media footprint. Okay, I do. Um, I understand that. Um, and when these arguments come up and they are in my social media feeds, I need to respond to it. So I did this on January 12th. I said, now, for those of you who like to shout about the First Amendment and who have probably never read the words, here it is. Quote, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion uh, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people to peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances end quote that's the first amendment yeah that's the entirety of our constitution's first amendment the central tenet of our american way of life that gets dragged out every time someone's banned from twitter or when a website gets taken down by a service provider this is one of the biggest misconceptions people have about the first amendment the bottom line it protects you from the government punishing or censoring or oppressing your speech. It doesn't apply to private organizations like Twitter or Facebook. That's it. Nothing more. Case closed. That's it. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it what what is so brilliant about the First Amendment is it's uh, 100, 200 years old. It was written before electricity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know, obviously, about the Internet. They didn't know about social media. Nobody knew about social media 25 years ago. Yeah. Okay? This is all new. 
that's how um, these words are so not only so excellent, but so perfect because they apply now. They will apply a hundred years from now. It, it can apply a thousand years from now. Yeah. We can't really interrupt or interfere with what that is. Now, what do we do? Do we regulate? Do we come in and figure out a way uh, to uh, pull away some of the control that is in social media? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you remember, okay, um, your audience is probably going to be blown away by what I'm about to say. Not some of them. Not the... Uh, <laughs> Not the Billy Sheehan's of the world. He's he's an old dude, um, but uh, but if you are if you were born after 1981, okay. So what is that? Is that 40 years ago? Yeah, 40 years. Okay. So if you're under the age of 40, I'm gonna blow your mind. Before 1981, you could not buy a telephone. In the United States. What? See? You leased your phones from the phone company. And oh. you had two models. <laughs> two. Two. You had the one with the... Rotary? With the, uh, rotary that, you know, went to buttons eventually um, in the late 70s. You had that... And you had what they called the princess phone, and that hung on the wall. Like the old Roseanne phone. Yes. Right, right. Two phones. And you couldn't buy them. You leased them from the phone company. As a matter of fact, there wasn't any other phone companies. There wasn't a Sprint. There wasn't a Verizon. Those companies didn't exist. There was one. Well, Pac Bell, Bell or something. No, Bell. hold on. This is where I'm going with this. Bell Telephone. Bell Telephone owned the phone system in the United States. They owned the wires, the cables, the operators, the switching systems, and the phones in your home. That That's it. They owned the phone system. It was a monopoly. Now, we allowed that to happen to get it built. Yeah. Right? Okay, it's a private company. They go, they install the phone lines, they do this, they do that, they, they, they design the phones. I worked for them at this time, okay? Um, I worked for Bell Laboratories. I was an artist. So when all of this was going down, suddenly Congress and, and Washington said, Bell Telephone's too big. They're a monopoly, and they not only... Um, regulate themselves. They establish the prices. They have control. Somebody wants to flip the switch. We have no communication, right? Yeah. Uh, too much power. So uh, Congress steps in and decides that they are going to break up at the time was probably the largest company in the world. Like Facebook is today. Like mm -hmm. Apple is today. Like Amazon is today. Like Google is today. They went in and split up the phone company. They split it up into, I believe, seven different companies. Out of that, we had Pac Bell. We got Southern Bell, uh, uh, you know, these uh, different Midwestern Bell, right? So now we have seven smaller companies. And they opened it up for private companies to manufacture phones and sell them 
and they would be compatible with AT&T for the first time. So that brought in not only uh, companies from Japan, but we had now phone stores. We never had that before. You could lease two phones. That's it, right? And they would show up at your house, the phone dude. He'd bring in your phones, unbox them, and you would lease them. You didn't own them. You would pay for them each month, rent them on your phone bill. Now they had AT&T phone stores where you could go and I work for them. So now we're designing all these other phones, but also Panasonic comes in, Sony comes in and uh, these different manufacturers, Korea's coming in with all of their, you know, uh, phones. And now we had different phones that we could purchase in the phone store. So you would go, they were all over the place now. And it was overnight that opened the door for everything else that happened in the future. Did we lose our phone systems? No. Uh, our phone systems got cheaper. There's now competition. Yeah. Um, Sprint comes in and installs their own phone line. Sprint um, wasn't a cell phone company. Back then, it was now an alternative to Bell Telephone. They built their own phone lines across the country, and you could have now Sprint phone service in your house instead of AT&T. Yeah. And, and there were a lot of... So, now, that sh that long story moves to where we are today with Facebook and Google and Twitter and, and YouTube is Facebook too big. Is it a monopoly? And eh, there's competitors for it, but are they too big? Should they be split up? Should we split up Facebook? So there's five different Facebooks in the United States. There's another Facebook for Europe. There's another Facebook for Japan and, and so forth where everything is completely divided up. Do we do the same thing with YouTube? Do we do the same thing with Google? Do we break them up? I don't know. Uh, you know, but that that is uh, a very, it's called the Sherman Act, uh, the Antitrust Act, the monopolies. Um, is that a better solution than to uh, uh, the banning and First Amendment rights and things? For example, what if, what if there's five Twitters across the United States, right? Okay. And now uh, you get banned on the West Coast. But Twitter East Coast says, no, I ain't got a problem with Kyle. Yeah. Bass players are actually pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And that's that's where we come in. And then... Uh, uh, competition is easier for smaller uh, uh, startups and things where they can have a competitive product, but they can maybe compete regionally. Maybe they can compete nationally. And, and, and that's another way to take a look at all of this without getting into the First Amendment and what freedom of speech means. I yeah. think uh, that that's a solution. I don't know if we can get to it, though. The power... Yeah is is incredible the power i mean it's just it's it's insane to me the the power so say say there were five different twitters you know there was uh there's a west coast twitter there was a uh um you know like a mountain time twitter a southern twitter a midwest twitter east coast twitter now if you're on say west coast twitter there's really no way for you to see what's on east coast twitter unless you were logged into east coast twitter is that is that kind of? But no, I would I see. Yeah, that, that's a that's a very very uh, important and good question. 
um, I would suspect that um, you would have, um, you would only be banned in a region, hmm. right? You would only be banned in a region. But if you tweet, if you're not banned, you tweet out, it goes out everywhere. Okay. That's not an issue. Yeah. Uh, for instance, um, even today, uh, if uh, Facebook France, right? Facebook Europe, Facebook Japan, if you've got friends in those countries and you put out, you know, something to them, they can see it. Okay. Right. You're not limited to just the United States. Uh, with all right. That. So you can get blocked by regions instead. Oh, they of do being... it all the time. Yes, and they do that all the time. Yeah. I mean, uh, like the people on the West Coast can't see my my offensive tweet, but maybe someone in the South or in the East still can. Well, and and Google um, in Japan is completely choked down, yeah. choked, choked down. There are certain. Uh, uh, the majority of Google doesn't even run, uh, you know, the, that search engine doesn't run certain search words in, in China. Um, yeah. they have their own search engine that they run there. And, and some countries in general, um, look at North Korea, you know, they've, they've oh got my things. God, yeah. And it's the same thing in Saudi Arabia and, and, and a bunch of those countries in the Middle East. Uh, they completely filter and choke down the internet um, as it comes in. There's, you know, certain websites that just aren't allowed. There are certain uh, things that that aren't allowed in those countries, and and Putin does the same thing. He does. I I don't. I'm not even sure if like Telegram runs in in. You know, I'm I'm being facetious here, but <laughs> um, but certain uh, encrypted networks. No, they they don't want no, 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 no. They they don't want encrypted uh, communication going down um, in the Soviet Union. It's just not going to happen. Um, uh, they control everything. So yeah, I don't know. I I I'm I'm nervous about it. I understand how people can be upset um, uh, when I got when I got dinged uh, by different social media platforms. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm I, I'm not happy about it. I'd be lying if I said, "Oh, this is this is good news," but I understand that I need to play by the rules. Yeah, you know, and I signed up. I signed up. They didn't you, sign me up. I'm you not agreed to their terms of service. <laughs> I signed up, man. It's a voluntary thing. Yeah, I can quit without penalty. Yeah. Um. And and, and the other part about it is, uh, when you sign up. Uh, I'm not paying for it, right? I once you're not paying for it, and you're voluntarily being put into a position, your legal remedy or arguments on anything, I don't even know if you have any. Yeah, I just I think it's I just think it's hilarious that people are comparing to you know bans on Twitter, Facebook, so on and so forth. They're comparing it to like communist countries, where I'm just like. Just watch a documentary about North Korea. Watch a documentary about China and how they handle their 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 internet. Like, it's I mean, North Korea I think is at the tippy top of that list. Where it's like, there's no Facebook there. Like, you cannot access certain things. You can't, no, there is nothing. You can't access well okay. any Western website. No, there is no. When you go, okay, check this out. When you purchase a smartphone in North Korea. You purchase it from a government store. 
That cell phone is government manufactured. The only software that you can put on that, the only apps that can be put on that phone are government apps that are uploaded at that store. You don't leave there with your phone running, okay? Oh, your audience can't see me, but <laughs> I'm holding up my very slick phone, right? You're not walking down the street in, in Pyongyang going, okay, okay, man, let's get WhatsApp. Boom, I'm going to down. No, you have to take your phone to the store, the government store, and they will put a government app on your phone. That's it. There is no Facebook. There is no Google. There is no internet. There isn't. Yeah. You know how many people have access to the internet in, in North Korea? I, I don't know. Two? <laughs> I don't know. Kim Jong-un and... Yeah, uh, his sister. Yeah. <laughs> but that, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. It's, it's probably around 11 people. But, <laughs> but, but you want the freedom of speech here. You and I are on this beautiful technical marvel and we are communicating with each other and we're talking about whatever we want. Yeah. Try this in China. Because your back door would be kicked down as we are on the air. Yeah. And you will be sent to a re-education camp. Jesus Christ. Right, right. And that, that, that's the truth. Yeah. You know, so the freedom of speech in this country, people want to talk about, you know, no, you don't understand. You've never left this country if you have that point of view. Yeah. Go somewhere else. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, you have been outside of this country. I've been outside of this country. I have lived outside of this country. I have been oppressed, right? I have had, I've had uh, a foreign military handcuff me and rob me of my shoes, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Jesus. And uh, um, uh, so, yeah. Yeah, you, this country is the freedoms that we have. The ability uh, for you or anybody listening to us in, in the United States, the ability to go outside one day, whatever day it is, and go, you know what? I'm in Phoenix. It's hot here. I think I'm going to drive to Maine right now. <laughs> Jump in your car and drive to Maine. That is an unbelievable freedom going yeah. across borders. Not if, if you're staying under the speed limit, you can drive from Phoenix to Maine. If you got tags on your car, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. But you can drive from Phoenix to Maine and never be spoken to. Yeah. That's crazy, man. You can't do that anywhere. No, going through Europe. I mean, there's always, there's always point of entries, checkpoints, you know, going through uh, the border from, uh, you know, from like London or from England to France, you know, there's, you know, you always got to get out when you're, when you cross the ferry, you always got to get out. You always got to talk to them. You're sitting in there. It's five o'clock in the morning. Right. You, know, you just played a show the night before and you always have to say, what are you doing here? What is your purpose here? You know? And uh, granted, I know that, you know, with England no longer being a part of the EU, but I mean, even if you go from like, uh, you know, from France to Germany or from Amsterdam or uh, from the Netherlands to Germany, any of the surrounding, you know, granted, most of the time the artists don't have to get out, but you still have to stop. 
And you got to have to stop. And 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 that's Europe. We got Mexico and we yeah. have Canada right here. Cross the border and 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 and, and see. It's the it's, Canadian border is one of the like not hardest to get across, but hardest to deal with. Hardest to deal with, man. That I have uh just like you, some of my craziest stories about customs are with Canadians. Yep. <laughs> Dude, you wouldn't think that. Um, me coming back to the United States from Canada and I'm dealing with U.S. customs officials and I walk in there and go, how you doing? I can't wait to get home. I know. <laughs> right? they, just, they just wave you through yeah. because they, they understand that. Going from the United States into Canada, you might as well be Pablo Escobar. Yeah. Well, I know. And it's just like there there are certain times and it's like depending on what what point of entry you go through into Canada. Like there's been times that we've gone out of the way, like way out of the way just to cross into Canada where we know it's going to be easier. Because like if you cross in the main sections of Canada, like you're at the mercy of the Canadian, um, you know, the Canadian border officer and what kind of mood they're in. That's right. And there have been plenty of times where I've seen, you know, buses pulled over at the Canadian border and they're like, do you have your, you know, your carnet? And we got to give them the carnet. Cool. Dump your trailer. Let's go through all the serial numbers for all your gear. <laughs> now. Let's, check and, let's, yeah, now. let's check and see how much merchandise you have in the bus. And, like, and 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 they are um I'm not going to say the colorful uh descriptions that I could right now but <laughs> they are dressed for go time. Oh yeah, they are. They are dressed for go time and it's intimidating mm -hmm. and they know this, they are speaking intimidating and they also know that you can't do shit. Yeah. I remember I was crossing you, What's the choice? Yeah. Turn around. Yeah, right? Exactly. You got to go this way. Yeah, in 2013 we were crossing into into Toronto. It was like the second show of the tour. And I remember, you know, um I was in my bunk, we were crossing and we had the meanest border guard I think I've ever come across. Like everyone's getting out and I'm trying to look I'm trying to find my pants. And this guy is screaming at me, get the fuck off the bus. And I'm just like, I'm looking for pants. Can I put pants on? I'm not trying to hide anything. You can look through my bunk. I got no pants on. Did you get your pants? I found my pants. They okay, fell out good. of my bunk. <laughs> but so there was, there was one thing that I saw uh, uh, earlier in the month that, you know, um, I'm not sure. I'm not. Uh, I think I messaged you or sent you an email. I can't remember. But um, you actually, you actually got COVID earlier this year. I did. I did. I did. Brutally, I did. You want me to say more? Yeah. <laughs> I, did. I mean, well, it, I'm, I'm kind of just. I'm kind of. I'm, I'm it, because it, you know it affects everybody differently. So I wanted yes. to know your experience with 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 covid okay uh on the front side of this what is uh very interesting is uh it wasn't me it was my family uh well it was me in addition to uh, my family. family and we 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 all went down like dominoes uh within a few days but uh what was interesting about that uh going across the board is how everybody 
was different. It was a very bizarre thing to see. My wife, Rita, and I got tested and, and positive on the same day, and she was asymptomatic. Mm. I felt like, um, and I'm not exaggerating in any way, I felt like I was pushed off a 10-story building and face-planted. Jeez. That's, the body pain uh, was traumatic. Um, there's a thing, there's a traumatic pain that you have. Have you ever broken a bone? No, I've been very fortunate. I've never oh, broken okay. a bone. Okay. Uh, any traumatic injury? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, like what? Um, I've really bad. I mean, I my back is shot, so okay. I've, I've, oh. I've, a, I've a bulging disc in my L five S one. Okay. Um, and, and that probably hurts a lot. I could barely move. I've I had to use right. last time I hurt my back, I was literally bedridden for a month, and I couldn't move without the assistance of a cane or a walker. Right. That ain't shit. Damn. I'm being serious. I mean, I, I, it, I it is like that. So whatever, and this is what I've been telling people, um, and I'm not in any way talking down to your bulging disc. I am not at all. No, I know. I need you and everybody else to understand potentially the pain that COVID brings. Now, goes without saying, it kills you, right? Okay, so you have that extreme. Yeah. And then the other part about it is whatever pain you can imagine and i've i've broken my leg right have broken my arm but i broke my leg i've had other crazy things happen um where that traumatic pain take that times about 10 to 100 whatever that traumatic pain was and then push it all over your body from the top of your head to the tips of your toes and it's 24 hours a day, not ending uh, for weeks or months. And it's not a cold. It's not a flu. It's not a yucky feeling. Uh, I got to get through this. I feel yucky. I got to cough. I, you know, I feel yeah. yucky. No, it that this is, is something totally different. So anyway. Now that I did that dramatic setup, right? Okay, <laughs> is is this? This is how it went down. It, it was um, it was very rapid. Uh, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, uh, I was out shopping for for stuff because we're going to cook. Uh, we're having Thanksgiving dinner like we do at most years over at my brother in law's house here in Burbank, and and so we were going to cook mashed potatoes and a couple of sides and and whatever. So I'm out shopping for Thanksgiving, and that's on Wednesday. I get home. Uh, this is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I get home, and and Rita says, Thanksgiving's canceled. I said, what? She goes, yeah. Um, uh, Laura and Christine have COVID. Now, Laura is my sister-in-law. Christine is her daughter. They live together. Mm -hmm. Okay? All right. There's kids involved in things like that. But right now, it's Laura and Christine. I'm like, holy crap. Okay. Well, obviously Thanksgiving dinner at their house is canceled. So now we're going to have Thanksgiving dinner at, at our house with the three of us, my daughter, Rita, me, that's going to be our Thanksgiving dinner. Okay. So we go through that. That's Thursday, Monday, my daughter, Deanna comes home from work and she's wearing her face mask 
and I'm getting ready for the show. She's coming home and uh, I'm leaving. She's coming in and she's got her face mask on. I said, what's up? She goes, what? Yeah. To your room, do not come out. And she does. She understands. So close her bedroom door. We're going to feed her. She's quarantined. Tuesday morning, she goes and gets tested. That's Tuesday. Wednesday, I've got Richard Dolan on the show. That I remember night. that. Yeah, I big show. That. And so my show starts live at 7 o'clock. At 6.29, I'm very specific about this because I know exactly how it went down. 6.29, I'm normal. Everything's cool. 6.30. What? What? It was like a light switch. I'm like, and I, whatever it was, was activated in my body. And, and I could feel it. And I was like, wow, okay. At right, seven o'clock comes and I'm starting the show. 30 minutes later, I went from zero to 100. Jeez. I was like, holy crap, I've got COVID. Now, I get through the show. It's three hours. By the end of the show, I am in such pain, body aches, and everything else that I I didn't understand. It, it, it just happened too quick. The fever, that it just it was way too fast, and the discomfort. I get through the night. Thursday, my daughter's test comes back. She's positive. And that's when, okay, all right, here we go. So then Friday, Rita and I manage to leave the house. I'm in bad pain, man. I'm in I'm in bad shape. Uh, Friday, we go and get tested. Uh, we have to wait for the results. Sunday, they come back positive, which we knew they would. And Rita and I uh, come back positive. But this is what was strange. I'm bedridden. I'm laid out. Um, I'm doing everything that I can. Rita's asymptomatic asymptomatic diana down for the count she's lost her taste she's lost her smell fever cough headaches body aches she's full-on covid me uh i not my lungs but everything else i'm full covid rita's asymptomatic wow. and, and so she was able to take care of us um now it took me it took me about 10 days to get be able to get out of bed i was doing the show i have to do the show gotta yeah. work yeah so i would get out of bed i would do the show for three hours show would end um get home boom uh back back into bed and that's that's what i did for 10 days and i slowly got out of that but what i dealt with for uh two months uh was headaches and and the headaches, the migraines, which were 24 hours a day, uh, were brutal. Brutal. Oh man, it's just ah uh, ah, uh, just brutal. And and I've I've said this publicly over the last uh, few days that about five days ago was my first days without meds and first days without headaches. Now remember, I got this on Thanksgiving. Mm. So how many months is that? That's two months now. We're at the end of January, so yeah. it's it's December, January. Yeah, okay, so, yeah, six weeks, yeah, two months. Two months, and I'm just now, like right now, 
I'm I'm badass. Yeah. I'm 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 I'm, I'm all good, but it's uh it's real. It's uh it's brutal. It's brutal. And it affects everybody differently. Well, I'm really glad that, you know, nothing I'm sorry to hear that, you know, you and your family got COVID, but I'm really glad that, you know, it wasn't it wasn't deadly for your family, you know, because, you know, some people aren't so aren't so no, fortunate. We've lost people. No, we've lost people. You you know, people that, you know, it, it's uh, I think at this point, um, everybody has had tragedy in their family. You know, uh, every, you know, we've had. What are we at now here in the United States? Over 400,000. I think it's 400, oh, close to 420,000. Yeah. And, and how many COVID cases were at what? 25 million. Yeah. I think right. almost, I think we're at like a, a million and a half in Los Angeles alone. So it's like, um, one in 10 people, two in 10. That's crazy. I yeah. mean, everybody knows now it's, it's not some isolated thing. Everybody knows somebody that has gotten it. And everybody has had some tragedy in their family or know somebody. It's not some little thing in, in Washington state. Now, the thing is, um, I know about we don't... 10 people that have had it. Yeah. 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 There was, there was, uh, there was, uh, three guys in my band that had it. Uh, two of those guys girlfriends had it. So, I mean, like even in my close circle, you know, I know five people in that close circle that have had it, you know. The the best thing that you can do, uh, no matter what, I mean, it, it's vitamins, vitamin A, vitamin A, vitamin B, vitamin D, vitamin C, of course. Just staying on top of all of that, keep yourself hydrated. Um, the parts about washing your hands and wearing a mask, you know what? Uh, yeah, you should be doing that anyway. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's that part of it. Um, uh, isolation, the best that you can. If uh, if you don't need to go into a crowd of people or whatever, just avoid it until things start to chill out. What you don't want, you may not get COVID, but you may touch something and then give it to your mom. You may touch yeah. something and give it to a friend, uh, you know, a daughter or a son. And you don't want to see them suffer. You don't want to be that person that does that. So just, just behave a little bit. We're going to get on the other side of this. Um, I have a sneaky suspicion, Kyle, this is weird. I was speaking uh, to Billy Carson about this the other day and and he's a, a brilliant mind. He said, you know, I think everybody's going to end up getting COVID. Yeah. I think everybody. And, I, and I, <laughs> honestly, I'm just trying to get at least the first, hopefully second, uh, vaccine before I get it, you know, because I, I was I was born with asthma and I still have it to this day. You know, I'll be 35 this year, so uh, you know I'm I'm just hoping that I can at least get vaccine number one before, yeah. before I <laughs> well, get it. Hopefully, it, it, hopefully I'll get the full thing before yes, that happens. Yes, 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 and I hope that you do. I'm uh, anti vaxxer vaxxer None of that matters. It's a personal choice. Yeah. Um, in your case, uh, and you've got asthma. Uh, I'm watching uh, you right now. Do your meds. Is this, <laughs> dude, go and get the vaccine. You know, yeah. if you want it, go and get it. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the uh, uh, what I was going to say now is um, I had a really weird thought when I got COVID. The suspense was over. Yeah. Right? It was like yeah. weird. I was like, okay, uh, we got this out of the way. Yeah. Because before... Am I going to get it? Am I going to get it? Is my family going to get it? Are we going to get it? You're always on this defensive move, 
right? Yeah. Face mask, washing hands, isolation. Uh, is that person standing too close to me? Do, do they have COVID? Oh, did he breathe on me? Oh, he sneezed, right? And you're, yeah. you're, uh, did somebody just cough? You know what? You want to offend, you want to clear a room out? Cough. Cough. <laughs> cough. Cough twice. <laughs> so with, um, you know, with the ongoing COVID pandemic, you know, we had our, our second batch of COVID stimulus. And then this is where this is where the, the tides change. And uh, with that signing of the second stimulus, apparently within 180 days of that, um, the government is going to have to talk about the knowledge they have about UFOs. Oh, yeah. Wow. Nice segue. I, I like how you set that up, show host. Yeah, you like that. Well done. Well played, Kyle. Straight. I know. I, I normally, I normally don't take notes, but there are certain, there are specific points that I wanted to hit, yeah. and they all kind of meld into each other. So, COVID and UFOs. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, and th there's. Uh... Uh, it's been treated a couple of different ways by the media. Okay, so for the audience, uh, what Kyle is referencing is that the COVID bill, the COVID funding bill that uh, was passed right after the new year, um, inside the COVID money package was another bill from the Senate Intelligence Committee and spearheaded by Marco Rubio a UAP task force. UAP, for those that don't know, stands for Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, which is the new way to say UFO. Yeah. Okay, all right, all right. So the the UFO task force, the UAP task force. Okay, so that's in there. And in this uh, funding for the UAP task force, Marco Rubio and the Senate Intelligence Committee has given them the duty to go and collect all of the data that the military and the Pentagon has on UAPs slash UFOs, right? Air quotes. And come back in 180 days and file a report for the public. Now, that's pretty exciting, right? Oh, wait a minute. We're going to get yeah. an official UFO report. Now, on the surface, that's the way the media has treated it. Yeah. In actuality, if you read the words of the bill, which I have, the 180 days is not law. Okay? okay. It's a suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> A suggestion. Okay. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And now, okay, are they going to abide by the 180-day suggestion? <laughs> Pro probably not. I well, I would hope so, but probably not. But okay, so but we the 180 days is in there, but it's not law. There's nothing. There's no penalty if yeah. they miss this by six months. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now, there's that part. And also buried in the words of this is that this is supposed to be a public report. Cool. Right? But they are allowing for a section of the report to remain classified. 
there you go. Ah, ah. So that's the out, right? Yeah, that's the so, out. That's the out. And so the suggestion of 180 days, <laughs> that's cool. Public report, that's cool. S classified secret section of the report, not cool. What do they deem public knowledge? What is going to be revealed to us? And what is it that we're not ever going to see? That's going to remain classified. Um, that uh, that's just a bummer. And so the way that, and I mean it like this: the the media treated this like, and it was really funny. In 180 days, buried in the COVIDville, we're going to get all the secrets of the military on UFOs and alien contact. That's the headline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's Tucker Carlson, that's the, right? That's, that's clickbaity headline, right? That's it. That's it. The truth is, probably we're not going to get anything. Yeah, it's just going to be the same as... as my as my fingers are crossed. Kyle, my fingers are crossed. Let's hope. Uh, you know, and certainly, uh, we haven't had this kind of communication and talk about the subject of UFOs and ET and contact uh, since uh, probably 1967. That was the last hearing in Congress was 1967. We really haven't had anything since. We had a GAO, the General Accounting Office. They did a report about Roswell um, that was brought up uh, by uh, the senator from uh, New Mexico to get to the bottom line with the Roswell. So the GAO released a report in 1995, 1996, and it was called Roswell Case Closed. And so the General Accounting Office went, uh, they've got a lot of power. And so they went to go look at any Roswell billing, money, chain, tree, chase thing. They didn't come up with anything. Um, that Roswell just wasn't anywhere in any government funding anywhere. And, and so that was Roswell case closed. So I don't know. Uh, all right. All right, Jimmy. But, but here, hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. With this. I'm hear me out with this. All right. Twitter and Facebook, YouTube, um, Spotify, OnlyFans, all of those platforms that have blocked Donald Trump. It was not about inciting violence, but because he was going to expose all of the UFO secrets in the government. That's my new conspiracy theory. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I would... Um, I would, we talked no, about this I, on your show. Yes, yes. He's I'm a manic to, tweeter. Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to agree with that. Uh, and let me, with 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 a, a couple of buts, but I thought that if anybody that was president was going to expose the UFO question, uh, it would be D Donald Trump on Twitter. Only because, A, he's a... Tweedo maniac, right? Okay, and we understand that. But also, I, I just felt that that Trump had potty mouth. He could not keep a secret. He couldn't. He disclosed <laughs> new weapon systems and new missiles and new hypersonic missiles and new jets and new technology and you know and and just blowing the lid off of everything with the power of Twitter. So I thought, well, man, if if he if he gets if he gets, you know, somebody goes, hey, man, uh, E.T. communicated with us last night, and they're going to be here next week. 
and uh, for a meeting with uh, the Joint Chiefs. Trump's going to tweet that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> E.T.'s going to be here next week. Breaking news. You know, and, and yeah, so I agree with you. Now, um, there was a lot of chatter. I've got a lot of uh, people that consider themselves insiders in Washington, D.C., and Stephen Bassett is one of them. He lives in Washington, D.C. Dr. Stephen Greer is another one. He lives next door to the CIA in Langley, Virginia. Um, and they are both uh, considered Washington insiders. I think everybody uh, uh, believes and respects that. They both felt that before January 20th, man, Trump was going to light it up. Yeah. He was going to light it up. He was going to leave the office um, just tipping over file cabinets. Right, exposing JFK files, you know, whatever. And let's just let's yeah. just get all of this stuff out there. And and the UFO question was was going to be a part of this. And I I'm hopeful. January twentieth came and went. Um, uh, could could Trump have done it without Twitter? Could he have done it without YouTube? Could he have done it without Facebook? Well, there was a day before those platforms. There was, right? What is stopping? Uh, how did Reagan get it done? How did, right? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. How did other presidents communicate to the country and communicate to the world before 1995, before the year 2000, before the year 2005? Twitter came around in 2008, yeah. right? And, and Facebook was 2008, 2007. So how did the, the, what is stopping the president from uh, speaking to the nation from the Oval Office saying we're not alone? Yeah. And that's, and, and, and that's the part where I understand the conspiracy theories from those um, on Twitter and, and in throughout social media that have raised this exact question. Uh, that you just uh, proposed right here. I, I I agree with you. Would he have done it only through social media? Um, there is nothing stopping any president from broadcasting live. So I don't know. I don't know. If, I just if think some... like that's where his wheelhouse is. That's where he feels most comfortable and most confident. Yes, but this is but this is the, why didn't he do it? Maybe because he didn't know. True. That's you, you understand what I'm saying? If my point is from the beginning, if Trump was given that information, he's singing like a bud. <laughs> he just is. He yeah. just is. And and I um I remember uh uh something I said on my TV show on History Channel a couple of years ago. And um and I said this. And I ruffled some feathers, but I meant it. And I looked straight into the camera. Uh, one of my proudest moments. But I said this. Look, anybody that gets elected as president of the United States, they've gone through a campaign. They've gone through the election. Now they win. Okay? They win. They win. They, they are now president of the United States. They are now POTUS. And they go through the parade and the, the swearing in and the inauguration. They go through all of that. Now they're walking into the White House for the first time. And they're going to go into the Oval Office. And they are going to sit down. 
and they are going to arrange their pen holder, right? They're going to arrange that and straighten out the phone over here and put this over here and, and feel pretty good on oh, the resolute desk, man. This is amazing. The White House, ring, ring, ring. Phone's ringing. Hello, President. It's your boss. <laughs> what? Welcome. Now, let me give you some instructions. But I'm the President of the United States. You work for us. That is reality. Because you see the winner of the election walking into the White House for the first time smiling. Waving, hey, 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 Then they walk out of the White House. Exactly. <laughs> They're freaked out. They're like, wait a minute. That phone call was whack. I have to answer to them. It's like they change. You know, and, and so the, the demeanor of winning the election, the happiness. Do you swear to uphold the Constitution of the President of the United States? I do. Give me the Bible, man. Let's go. Let's get this going. And they go, and, 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 and things are revealed, man. There's a book on the desk, and they open it up, and a list of phone. Oh, holy crap. What is going on? And that's the truth. So... What is the knowledge that a president receives? Uh, he's given the knowledge to do his job yeah. or her job. Yeah. Okay. But outside, uh, the president is elected every four years. CIA, those people are there for 30 years, 40 years. They're going to be there before he, the, he or she is there. They're going to be there after. And that's a career position. And it's the same thing with the NSA. It's the same thing with the FBI. It's the same thing with the NRO. Um, uh, all of these these agencies. It, it's the same exact thing. What uh, their agenda is going to continue. What what is What does the president know? The president can't know everything about everything that there ever is in the history of the world in the United States all at the same time. It's impossible. There's yeah. not even enough time in the year to learn and hear about all of the issues. You have people that deal with those issues. And it's the same thing with the UFO question. It's so the you, same. So you mean you don't think that like the president goes into the office and a little projector screen comes down and it's like one of those old propaganda cartoons? Like, welcome, you are now the president of the United States. <laughs> And you are not the boss. Yes. Yeah. And it's like well, those old fancy, like all those old fashioned, like propaganda cartoons. Yeah. 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 You are now the president of the United States, you know, some crazy thing. But the, um, uh, uh, the knowledge of the ET question, I think that, uh, the facts of the matter, right? Let's go to the facts of the case. Let's just go with the facts. President Ford. If I ever get to Washington, I'm, I'm, I'm exposing the UFO question. Yeah. Jimmy Carter elected, literally campaigned on exposing and bringing to the public UFOs. Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, 
she campaigned on. That was part of her platform. Ronald Reagan. Everybody that got elected. The only one that didn't was Bush too. George he never. W. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> w, W. Um, uh, he he did, but any any other president that talked about it once they were in the Oval Office never brought it up again. Hmm. Never brought it up again. Do you? So think- that's uh, you know that's it. What what are they told? You know, yeah. it, could it be <clears throat> could it be something that um, is scary, intimidating? You know, military weapons, uh, attacks, uh, alien invasion. Is it that? Or is it something more fundamental and impactful? Like, yes, we have flying saucers. Yes, we have free energy. Yes, we don't need oil anymore. Yes, our military is using this. Yes, we have anti-gravity. Yes, we have all of this. But we've been lying to the public about it. They don't know. And if they find out that we have free energy and we don't need gas and oil ever again and we can end poverty and hunger on this planet but put all of the oil companies and energy companies and electricity companies and coal, all natural gas, all out of business overnight – we can't have that because yeah. we have to answer for that lie. Is that a reason not to say anything? I mean, you know, that could. I would say yes. Yeah. I mean, that what could would ruin the economy? <laughs> it would ruin the world. Yeah. And so what I mean, uh, what what would freak everybody out if, if the president of the United States uh, went up and said, hey, uh, we're not alone in the universe. Okay, we've made ET contact. Okay, I, the planet's not going to freak out. Yeah. Of course we're not alone. We already knew that. All right. I mean, the Vatican's not going to crash. Uh, religions, Wall Street, people aren't going to be jumping off buildings. There's not going to be panic in the streets, right? We're not going to have uh, anarchy in North Hollywood. I just don't see that happening. I, I, yeah. I don't. All right, we're just going to accept it. But if you get on national TV and say, hey, we've got anti-gravity and free energy and we've had it for 70 years, that's going to piss some people off. Yeah, it is. Right? Especially since I can't get a flying car. Yeah, that's. I want my flying car. I, I want my hoverboard, dude. Yeah, I've been waiting for, I've been waiting for that since 2015, you know? Um but with like all the talks of, you know, there's been a lot more talk of UFOs in the mainstream media. It's kind of more of a, you know, like a normal talking point, you know, other than, you know, like, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago where you'd be like, all oh, those guys are just like tinfoil hat, you know, smokinggun.com, whatever. Um, and I don't know how much free time you have, but uh, um, have you listened to or watched the uh, Joe Rogan podcast with Travis Walton. I haven't seen that. Um, I haven't seen any Rogan since he went on to Spotify. Um, uh, but I've interviewed Travis uh, many times. I've had breakfast, lunch, and dinner with him. I've done a lot of hanging out uh, privately and and things. And and I know Travis pretty well. Do you do you believe his story? A hundred percent. 
100%. Yes. I felt like, I don't know, maybe it was just, you know, Rogan has a way of kind of, uh, he kind of really sides with his guests and doesn't answer the tough questions, I really feel like. And that's why I don't really listen to him too much anymore. Right. Um, he doesn't challenge his guests. Sometimes he does, but not as much as I think, I mean, not as much as I would like. You know, but I, I really felt, and again, I've never met Travis Walton. I don't know him. I mean, I've, of course, I've watched the movie Fire in the Sky, you know, and um, but I felt like, I don't know. I felt like there was something kind of missing from there. It kind of like all tied together a little bit too well for me where he was like, oh, you know, the, the crafts that Bob Lazar had described or, you know, they, they made a... a, a a drawing of what he saw is like pretty much exactly what I experienced in my, in my encounter. I just, I felt like it just like tied together up a little bit too nicely and yeah, too conveniently. Know? And I heard yeah. some comments about that. Um, I was a bit surprised to, because I've never heard Travis talk about that over the years. Um, but uh, was this something revolution? I don't, you know, maybe Travis, took a closer look at the Bob Lazar case, uh, uh, which would surprise me that he didn't already know about it. But why now? Why Why is this being uh, spoken about? I, I was taken uh, taken by surprise with it. But let me, let me say this. Um, Travis, I've got lots of pictures. People can go and look. There's plenty of pictures of, of Travis and I hanging out over the years. It, it's out there all over the place. So when you're sitting one-on-one -on -one with Travis Walton and it's not a radio interview, you're doing a, a, you're just hanging out, you're eating tacos and you're talking about life and you're looking into his eyes. He is, he is one of the most genuine people that you can possibly hang out with. And I don't care who, who you want to compare him to in your circle yeah. of friends. He's like that. And, uh, and then there's been other times where I, and it brings me up like last year we, uh, we sat down uh, with, a, I, I had a, a table full of friends. We were, we were in a bar in a lounge outside before COVID. And I've got about 10, 10 friends with me. Fade or not, right? Okay, so anyway, we're sitting there. And, and Travis steps up and he's like, hey, man, what's going on? I say, hey, come on, let me buy you a drink, man. And so he sits down with us and he doesn't get up for like three hours. And he opened up. I said, Travis, you know, I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was asking him questions about what the government knows or this or are, are they above us right now? Whatever. But his knowledge of the UFO subject is extraordinary. And you get him talking about it outside of what happened in Snowflake, Arizona in 1975. Yeah. Get him outside of that. And and what are his opinions about today? What is going on? It's an unbelievable conversation. And he's matter of fact about it and, and, and genuine. You know, so now you couple that with this Bob Lazar sports model. What? You know, I... I, this caught me by surprise, caught me by surprise. So I'm, I, I don't know what to make of it. Um, uh, like I said, I haven't, I haven't listened to Rogan since he went on Spotify and, uh, Rogan, I, I, I took, uh, two years off 
of Joe after uh, the stuff went down with uh, Tom DeLong two or three years ago. Yeah. And, and Tom uh, was just on my show. All right. And uh, it was an extraordinary interview. It, it was cool. Uh, three hours of, of Tom DeLong. And, and it was good. And then he goes on and Tom and I, especially back then, Tom and I were talking like every day, you know, phone calls and texting and, and things very open about a lot of different subjects and, and, and trying to move this thing along with a TTSA. All right. Okay. So then he goes on Rogan and Rogan, um, uh, he bitch slapped him, you know, like two or three times in, in that podcast. And I didn't appreciate the way he treated Tom. I treat all of my guests with respect. Like they are a guest in my home. You don't, go out of your way to embarrass him and and rogan is rolling his eyes and making his comments and and saying them some things that were probably deserved because tom made some mistakes during that the the stupid tr3b triangle video that he pulled up on on youtube well that was a bad move yeah and but rogan smelled blood you know, he's an MMA dude. You know, he's got a guy on the mat. He's, you know, he smells the blood. He's going to go in for the arm bar, right? He's, yeah. And that's what he did with Tom. And I didn't, I didn't like that. So the next day um, after the podcast, uh, Tom calls me and uh, we talked about it. He said, man, I'm just, oh, it was a bad move. I said, dude, what were you thinking? I, I know, I know, but he's got this way of being a buddy, buddy. And then next thing you know, we're talking about dicks and things. I'm like, dude, it was just unprofessional, you know, and, and, and the videos and the things, but you ask for it the way that Rogan treated you. I'm, I'm, I'm just offended by it. So I, I tweeted Rogan and I was very public about it. And I said, I'm done with Joe. I'm done. I'm done. You don't treat people like that. I'm taking a break. Um, and I didn't listen to Rogan for two or three years. Yeah. Took a break. And and I went back uh, maybe six months ago. I think he had Graham Hancock on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Randall Carlson. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had just had Randall on the show. I had Graham on, whatever. Um, and I wanted to... Uh, see if their information was different from, you know, if I could learn something, you know, if, if it was different from uh, uh, my show. And 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 then I think he had Brian Green on, and that was pretty cool. And so I started listening to Joe again. And what I, what I saw in the chain, because he kind of swore off the UFO subject. Yeah. You know, he, he, he went away from it. Now all of a sudden he's back. And, um, and I'm listening and there was a change in Joe. I took three years off. There was a physical change. He looks a little bloated in the face. He looks a little roided out. He's got a thing going on that I, I, I found strange. And look, I took three years off. So I could see this, this thing. And it was his, how do I say this? Uh, correctly he's angry yeah he's like bitter at the world he's bitter at people he's bitter at anything that that isn't joe and you see that now in his questioning he tries to be joe he's trying to be fun but that isn't him 
he's fighting who the real guy is. And that's really strange. And I don't want to um, offend people out there. This is, uh, this is just my own observation because I took that three-year break. Now, coming up to the end where Spotify, you know, came into play, that last couple of months of Joe was really bitter. And it was hard for me to listen to. Hard. Yeah. It was it was hard. I, I, I didn't dig it. I didn't dig it. And and um I think his positions on uh that just shouldn't be public. You you can uh, be extreme uh, with all of this stuff and and get a laugh out of it, but is it for jokes or is it who you are? I'm definitely feeling more conservative vibe from him, which which like I said is fine. It's um, fine. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Um, but what can do? You have any examples of of? No, uh, and that's what no, and that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, um, if you just listen to the flow of of a show, I'm saying that he through his conversation, you could just feel that the dude is like Archie Bunker with a podcast. Yeah. And and that that is is and we used to laugh at Archie Bunker. We used to laugh at Archie. You know, and he was all of those things, right? And and it was comedy, and we laughed at it, and 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 things. Um, I'm I'm suggesting that for me with Joe, I I don't get the open, kind person that I think he once was. I I don't feel that anymore. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's no. Has he ever said anything straight out? No. Um, but lately. Ah, man. And I think anybody um, there, um, I'm not the only one that feels this way. You know, there's been a lot of comments out there. Um, uh, employees of Spotify, for instance, are like, wait a minute. Oh, Whoa. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and they, it's just like, it's just a feeling, you know. And um, there are, this is, this is what is really funny, is that, um uh, there were moments with me and Rogan where I I loved him and I thought that he was, in a way I still do, that um, he was able to talk about sports, um, uh, food, diet, health, UFOs, conspiracy theory, music, acting, film, comedy, television, all in one show. Yeah. That was just brilliant to me. It still is brilliant, you know? And, um, I, 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 the, the feeling of that from three and four years ago from the original JRE shows to where it is now, eh, sometimes you become, uh, uh, a representative of yourself. You know, it's, it's not necessarily in your control anymore. Yeah. And and that's 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 what I get, and it, it it bums me out. So no, but I haven't checked him out since Spotify. So there you go. So I mean, him moving to Austin, I thought was kind of a pussy move. Like I, I've been looking at Austin. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I love Southern California, and 
and things in my family lives here. Uh, so that's why we didn't move to Austin, but there's just other elements about, um, uh, Southern California lately that it's, it's not the same, you know, California, Southern California in the seventies and eighties, I got here in 84. Um, it was, it was a different place. It was a different vibe. And, uh, even throughout the nineties, but lately it's not, how do I say this? It's not fun. It's not a political thing. It's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. it's not, it's just not like it was. It's not fun. And, um, Austin is appealing to me. Las Vegas is appealing to me. Phoenix is appealing to me. Now, see, I, I've also thought about, about picking up and relocating. And what I meant by, you know, Rogan, um, like just up in, leaving was like a pussy move was it was just I felt like he did it because he was just like you know I felt like it was more of a fit than like I don't agree with certain things in the state of California or Los Angeles or Los Angeles isn't fun anymore because pre-pandemic you know that guy was like he was he was talking about oh I'll never leave LA I love LA and then you know the pandemic hit he's just like well I don't like it here anymore right 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 <laughs> right 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 and uh, I just want to move to Vegas. So as a 35 year old man, I can possibly own my own home, which is yes, 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 yes. And he doesn't have to worry about any of that stuff. No. And uh, but this is for me why I thought the move was so weird uh, for him. He is a comedian. And here in Los Angeles, all of his buddies, all of his friends, his circle, his thing, his hangout is is the comedy store the laugh factory where he can go any single night any night of the week go out and do 15 minutes of stand-up and then hang out backstage and and do his thing that all comedians do it's what they do it's their way of life and here in la you have all of that um i don't know what they have in austin right well sir, he's he's gonna sir open up his he's gonna open up the joe rogan comedy club out there is he really? Is that is that for real? Yeah. He's going to compete with Sir Laughs a lot. <laughs> I mean, you know, and he's getting a lot of his buddies, you know, out there. Like I know, um, you know, Ron White's out there now. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, know yeah. Um, Tony Hinchcliffe is out there now, and uh, he's got a lot of people who will support him because he is such a big figure in in the in the comedic world. Alex I mean, Alex Jones is there. Is Alex Jones in Austin? Uh, he's right there in Austin. And um, so Joe already had, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a pretty good solid network of, uh, of friends and things uh, that were in Austin waiting for him. And uh, not only Alex Jones, but uh, um, uh, Adam, uh, the original MTV VJ. Oh. Wow, what's his name? He follows me on Twitter. Uh, hold on for a second. I'll tell you. All right now, he was just on the Joe Rogan show. As yeah. a matter of fact, when uh, Adam Curry. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, I think Adam was Joe's first guest Damn. when he moved to Austin and opened up the studio. That night, his first guest was Adam Curry. Yeah. So, so I mean, I think with him, you know, opening up 
the opening up a comedy club in Austin, you know, he's going to have the support and he's just going to be more successful. But I mean, he could have done that here. He could have opened up granted. Not, I don't, I don't mean right now I'm talking post pandemic, you know, he could have opened up the Joe Rogan comedy club in the Valley right down the street from his house. And I think it still would have been just as successful as if he were to open it in Austin because all of his friends, even more comedians are here. Now yeah, I know yeah. with the lockdown rules and the, the pandemic and everybody, you know, staying at home and, you know, Texas is a little bit more lenient on their, um, on a lot of their, their COVID lockdown rules. Um, but now he's just, he's literally trying to, I feel like he's just, t- he's going to take comedy to Texas, which is good for him. He's already had guys like Dave Chappelle, you know, Ron white, all those guys be like, yeah, I'll come do your fucking, your comedy club when it opens. Hell, I'll help you open it. You know? Well, um, the, um, uh, the other thing, um, about, about all of this is that, and I've met, I've talked to several people um, in broadcast of name of note about Joe Rogan and what's really going on here. This is the deal. There isn't a radio network or a television network, a radio that could go to Joe and say, "We're going to offer you a syndicated program." That would be appealing. What is he would never do that. Yeah. He wouldn't fall under FCC regulations. He's not going to do that. He's not going to abide by any rules. There's that. Second, there is nothing that they could offer him that is better than what he has got. Oh, yeah. That's it. He has got autonomy. He's got freedom, even with the, the Spotify deal. He can bring on his own guest. He's not being told what to do. He's got the open end on all of that. Allegedly, that is part of the his contract. But with um, uh, any offer that could be put out there for him, because I've talked, the reason why I've talked to people about this is that we all know that radio is shrinking, like real radio, terrestrial, yeah, terrestrial radio. radio yeah. it, 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 it's shrinking. And it's going to continue to shrink. I don't know when the date will be where you can't even have a a, a radio in your car when you buy a new car. Yeah. I don't know, but that's going to be soon. I mean, you can't even get a CD player now, right? Okay. Well, so. I, you know, in, in the next in the next week or so, I'm going to have Mike Catherwood on on the show, and uh, you know, because he's been a pretty prominent radio personality here in Los Angeles for the last twenty twenty five years. You know, he was on the Kevin and Bean show. Mm-hmm. You know, he was on Midday Live uh, with Doctor Drew. He was on Love Line with Doctor Drew. You know, and seeing him now where it's just like, you know, he's promoting his podcasts, you know, he, he's not on 790 anymore. He's not on 106.7 like K rock. I mean, although they're now owned by, uh, you know, they've been owned by iHeart for a few years. I think as soon as iHeart kind of took over, there's well a lot of changes and it's just, it's, it's sad to see because I'm still interested in listening to radio programs as long as they're quality and granted, you know, I still thought before everybody, you know, left or got fired from the Kevin and Bean show that I thought the Kevin and Bean show was a fun show to listen to. It was a nice way to wake up in the morning mm-hmm. and I, 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 and I'm not, and I, and no, it doesn't seem that there's a lot of people trying to make entertaining radio anymore because they don't feel like it's a feasible median for entertainment because there's so much shit on the internet. But I mean, uh, you know, as, as, as a, you know, I've, I've always loved talk radio. I've always loved, you know, 
I, like if I if I want to listen to music, I have my music. But if I want to listen to the radio, I want to hear people talking about current events. I want to hear what's going on in the world, what's going on in the United States, what's going on here, what's going on there. And I just feel like uh, that n- radio programs like that, like, I mean, they're really n- not around anymore. Well, you know? I went through, look, I had to make that same kind of decision. And um, when I left coast to coast, which was just a couple of months ago, you know, and and here I am hosting that show for, uh, over six years, I was about to hit year number seven, six years of of hosting a weekend host of one of the biggest radio shows in the world. Well, who walks away from that? Well, if that was my only gig, I wouldn't. Yeah. Right. Okay. I, I, I get that. I understand that. But fade to black and what we were able to do here it's a live internet radio show and we're syndicated on, on the biggest platforms yes but we're not terrestrial and we have a podcast that we release of the live show but it's not a podcast first the podcast is just out there for people that miss the live show right yeah but we have built this thing and it came to a point where and this is like Joe or, or anybody else uh, that is, is leaving radio right now. There, I don't need coast to coast. Yeah. Right? Joe doesn't need iHeart. I don't need iHeart. So many others out there, you know, Adam Curry, you know, the, 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 or whatever, where there are viable alternatives, not only to terrestrial radio, but to making a living that's different. And, and I, when uh, getting in in the old days, 10 years ago, in the old days, going to a radio station and trying to get a gig was just like any other job. You're going to apply for it and you're going to hear no. Okay. That's it. It, You're not going to get a gig unless you go to Wichita. Yeah. But here in Los Angeles, ain't going to happen. There's only so many stations, only so many DJs, only so many hosts, only so many time slots, and only the best of the best are there, and you're not going to get on the air. But you start your own, nobody's going to tell you no. Yeah, There's a difference there, and I have that. Joe has that. You have that. Anybody else has that once you cut that that umbilical cord you know and and um so when i when i made the decision it wasn't about uh there wasn't any consideration about oh man i'm leaving the biggest radio show in the world oh what am i gonna do do i need i didn't even need to think about it yeah i didn't even need you know fade to black is is big it's fun it provides for my family and i own it right yeah. and and it's the same thing for anybody else out there and that's why um uh and i get offers all the time i i don't even consider them i'm doing a couple of movie projects right now i'm working on some television stuff and and things all of that is independent of of fade to black i don't even need to do those things i do yeah. those because they're fun the conferences that i do all year long i do five six seven eight nine ten conferences a year once a month 
Um, I do those. It's a vacation. I get to go out and hang out with the fans and, and do these things, but that's all independent of, of fade to black. I don't need to do those things. Yeah. You know, and it's the same thing with, with the network coming to me right now and saying, Hey, you know, here it is syndicated. We'll, we'll do this for you. Do this for you. What about fade to black? Well, we're going to buy that. Ah, ah, no, yeah, <laughs> no, you know, and, and, and that's why nobody has anything attractive for not only me, but for a guy like Joe Rogan, there's no way you're not going to give that up. Yeah. You're not, you just, you're not going to do it. And that's, that's what terrestrial radio, that's why iHeart's uh, uh, app is so successful that iHeart has put everything in to the iHeart radio app. Yeah. They play, they, they, that's it, man. The chips are pushed to the middle of the table. That's where it's at. And yeah. they know that the internet is the future. The future is not radio waves bouncing around the planet. It's just, it, it's, it's not where it's at. And, and I'm okay. We, I don't know if you know this, um, man, I'm just looking, we've been yapping for two hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is cool. Yeah, just over um, two hours, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, uh, you know what? And I, I've got a show tonight, Kyle. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. if you know this. I got I a do. show tonight. Okay, I know you do. Um, is uh, uh, the what? What was I just saying? The other consideration was what was I just saying? <laughs> Man, I had gold. I had I had gold where I was going. I was I was listening to you and then and then I got I got caught I, off it guard. Was, it was it was iHeart. It was You were talking about iHeart putting everything into their radio app and that's and that's Oh been... oh 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 okay. Is this how Fade to Black came to be? Um back in two thousand eight there was you know, podcast wasn't a word. Yeah. All right. YouTube just started. Okay. Uh, there was no, uh, internet radio. There wasn't any of that stuff. And, uh, the, we had a market crash and when the market crashed in 2008, it was bad. Um, you know, it was like the second great depression. So media was shut down. Uh, there was nobody hiring or anything. And I, I really, I was just finishing school and I wanted to, uh, uh, get a radio gig here in LA. And I was already talking to a couple of stations and I had a couple of ends and things were, you know, things were looking pretty good. All of a sudden the market crash. And, and I turned to Rita and I said, man, we got to do something. I don't know when radio is going to be hiring again. And I thought, I've got this gear. Is there a way to have an internet radio station. Okay. Now, now today it's easy back then it didn't exist. Yeah. So Rita and I, uh, were already kind of learning how to design websites and we were getting pretty good at that. We were doing stuff for different companies and different friends of ours and, and, uh, really understood. And I thought, okay, we've got to figure out a way to get audio on and off of a website. We've got to figure that out. We've got to have, we've got it. So we worked on that and I don't know exactly how we got it done, 
but I remember it was like the last time we were trying and designing and this and that. And remember, internet speeds were different back then. Streaming audio didn't exist. Uh, yeah. a web, uh, uh, a hard drive and, and space and things uh, out there. There were no cloud servers. This stuff didn't exist. Yeah. So how do we get this done? Well, I remember this last day. It wasn't the last day. It was the day that it happened, though. It was like, it works. Holy crap. Right? <laughs> yeah. We can get this going. Oh, man. And we figured out a way to get it done. And so we went to our daughters. And at the time, they were like 10 years old. And went to them, 10 or 11. What would you think about your mom and dad starting an internet radio show, uh, internet radio station? Hey, do it. That's going to be cool. That's the future. And, and once the, our daughters said yes, that's that's what we did. And so that's where JimmyChurchRadio.com um, has been around since 2008. Jeez. 2008. And we were not only pioneers. I don't know if we were the first, but I didn't know anybody else doing it. And, and so we figured out it was finagled, but we were able to broadcast on our site and that's where it started and from the very beginning it was like terrestrial radio if we can do this this is the future terrestrial radio is i saw the writing on the wall so we went through and everything was great everything was great the show's building uh, I, I remember our first night uh, that we broadcast i think we had uh two three people yeah listening uh, second night, it was 25. Maybe by the end of the week, we hit 50. I remember, uh, this is all 2008. I remember our first night of like 100 or 150. We just thought we were, you know, there. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, when as as the years went by, 2013 pops up and, and things are going good. Um, that's when everything happened with art bell and he left and he came back and left and and then yeah. i was hired to go on his network and uh while he was off of the air which ended up lasting for like two years um i was there and then the offer came about a year into that the offer came from coast to coast to do terrestrial radio and go over and do that but i didn't stop fade to black yeah. and i and i told them i said i'm I'm going to continue with fade to black. I'm not going to give that up and, and, and go and sign a contract and go and work for you guys. No, no, no. Oh, go ahead. Keep doing what they, what they didn't realize was how big fade to black was going to become. I didn't know, you know, yeah. I didn't, I did, I, I, I did not know. And it just took off. It was like being shot out of a cannon, you know? And, and I, I, I realized then, and Joe Rogan's doing his thing at the same time. There were others, but uh, this momentum uh, back in 2013, and it's hard to believe this is eight years ago, right? Yeah. Uh, the momentum that what uh, internet radio became podcast uh, ended up becoming a thing. This it, it, before then it, 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 it didn't exist. And all of a sudden, it just woof, 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 um, and and steamrolled. Uh, uh, it got to the point where I'm I'm looking at, you know, fade to black and comparing it to not only terrestrial radio but CNN and Fox because I know what my numbers are. Yeah, every single day, and they're they're extraordinarily big. Mass media understands that. 
they're not competing. Fox isn't competing with CNN. Yeah. Fox is competing with us. Fox is competing with Joe Rogan. Fox is competing with alternative uh, sources for not only entertainment, but for news and, and, and long-form conversation that you're talking about. This is the reality of the world that we live in today. Um, they don't, they don't, they don't need to concern themselves. CBS shouldn't give a crap about ABC. They shouldn't, they need to give a crap about maybe Disney plus yeah. Netflix, right? Yeah. <laughs> the internet. That's what you need to concern yourself with because people today, um, only have so many hours to dedicate to something. And man, dude, I haven't had cable in 10 years. That's right. And so where where do people go for they can't listen to Joe Rogan or Fade to Black uh for 3 hours a night, 4 hours a night and still watch the news. Yeah. Not doing that at the same time. They yeah. know this. They're seeing their numbers shrink. Why? Oh man, Rogan Rogan was pulling you need People need to understand this. I, I talk about my numbers being 250,000 a night, right? That's pretty damn big. The average day uh, for CNN, average, right? You go to CNN right now. Who is listening to see who, right? That number is 300,000, 400,000. You get to Anderson Cooper in the middle of the night, right? At 7 p.m., it's reaching a million, okay? That's CNN, Fox, the same thing. Yeah. You know, who was, who was watching Fox at 7 p.m.? That number is a million. In the middle of the day, like right now, it's 250,000, 300,000. Joe Rogan, every single day, is pulling two and a half million. Jesus. Three and a half million. Yeah. Day in and day out. And so they're wondering why their numbers are shrinking. It's because other sources out there, people only have so much time. Yeah, And that's what they are competing against. It's extraordinary, the power of uh, the independence, you know, where yeah. you can go and get uh, a Bluetooth Yeti, you know, plug it into a laptop, sign into Spreaker. You're good to go. Now, yeah. the question is, do you have something to say, right? Yeah. And, and if you do, people, you know, people will come. They will find you. If you are interesting, it, just because you have uh, Vegas or or Adobe Premiere and you want to be a director, doesn't mean that you can do an amazing film series or a television series, comedy series, and put it up on YouTube and it's a hit. The software doesn't make you good, right? Yeah. Uh, Auto-tune doesn't make you a good singer. You still have to write a good song. Right? It's a crutch. <laughs> it's a crutch. And so most people don't understand that. But you do have the tools to do it. You don't need a network to air your television show. You've got YouTube. Yeah. You've got Vimeo. But if your stuff is good, people are going to watch it. And, yeah. and you'll eventually monetize it. And then uh, you'll be successful. There's plenty of web series out there that are financially breaking the bank. And doing really well uh, for those creators. And I encourage it. But you have to have good content. Yeah. But that's where the networks understand now uh, that they they are not competing against themselves.
they're competing against everything else out there, all the streaming services. Look, you don't, you, if, if your stuff is good, you've got Netflix, man. You've got Hulu. Yeah. You've got Amazon. You've got Waze, too. So many great films um, are released right now just on Netflix. They're only released on, on Amazon. Filmmakers yeah. know that that they don't, they don't got to go to Paramount. Yeah. Right? <laughs> there are, there are definitely, go. there's more viable networks and you know you that you'll still be able to get to reach you know i know with net a lot of the there was a lot of netflix exclusive uh movies the last couple years and some of them maybe not so good but you know there are, it gives them the reach like even if your movie's terrible a lot of people could still watch it you know what i mean yep like, yep well um uh i've got a show to do tonight yeah 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 uh you do that monday through friday right I do it Monday through Thursday. Monday through Thursday. Jimmy I, Church Radio. JimmyChurchRadio.com. Very simple. Dude, well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, next time you want me on the on Fade to Black, you let me know. Just send me an email. And uh and dude, seriously, thank you again for coming on. And for anybody who wants to follow him on Twitter at JChurchRadio, JimmyChurchRadio.com. Fade to black Monday through Thursday. And uh all my listeners, I will see you next week week.